Welcome, 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 as John Oliver would say. This is Eric Sinrod, and I'm joined by my colleague, Jonathan Armstrong at Cordery. I'm at Dwayne Morris, as you know, based in San Francisco, and we're bringing you our weekly Tech Law 10. We're still here. We're still standing. We're being buffeted by the winds of our new administration here in the U.S., and Jonathan was able to make his way across the Atlantic and spend some time to, in New York, and he has some thoughts to share with us. So, Jonathan... Without any further ado, bring it on. <laughs> well, thanks very much. Yes, uh, thanks for listening. I was privileged to be in the U.S. last week, but it was definitely a very odd week to be there, um, I guess, for a U.S. national, but for anyone else. And obviously, I arrived a week on Saturday in the midst of the Women's March and then watched as President Trump's various policies evolved, if that's the right word, during the week. And, and what I thought that was certainly worth talking about was the impact of his new announcements with respect to immigration, because I think there are certainly, it certainly touches some of the themes that we've talked about on podcasts before. So if you haven't caught up with it, it seems that over the weekend there was a suggestion that border officials at the U.S. made uh, individuals, particularly of Muslim extraction, disclose their social media accounts before they were permitted into the country. And we've heard reports, for example, of a BBC reporter who was detained in a small room for some time, presumably why the, whilst the checks on his social media and on his reporting were made. Now, I've a little bit of relevant personal experience in that I have been through this second-line detention process myself. It's quite a moderately interesting episode in that I was cutting some carrots shortly before a trip to the U.S., and I managed to, unfortunately, remove part of my uh, thumb uh, just a very small part, the net result of which is that my thumbprint was different when I tried to enter the U.S. And I had a very uh, slightly ag aggressive individual who asked me why I had tried to remove my thumbprints first off. Uh, I was then sent for second line, and some of the allegations which have been made against the border officials certainly resonate with me. I was certainly put into a small elevator uh, with elements of trying to, I thought, provoke me. Although, as I said, the second line people were uh, very gracious and apologized for what had gone on. And I do acknowledge that border officials have a very difficult job and are obviously the first line of defense for any country in these heightened times of terror. But one of the things that I thought was very interesting to discuss, Eric, was this social media aspect. It is reported that the Trump administration are wanting to make it a condition of entry to the U.S. that you disclose all of your social media accounts. Now, some might say that the current U.S. president is somewhat obsessed by social media, both in terms of being a ready user of it himself, but also, for example, we had a press conference over the weekend 
where the tweets of journalists were shown to the whole press room as evidence of uh, alleged bad faith on, on behalf of some of the mainstream media. Now, as well as this being perhaps a frightening development that all of our social media has to be disclosed as we enter, uh, we've, we've talked in previous podcasts about hotels doing this, for example, and, and refusing to let people leave uh, the hotel before they've removed their bad posting from TripAdvisor and so on. My worry is that were a government to take similar steps and ensure that people you know, remove tweets that could be seen as po possibly criticizing the administration as a condition of entry, that would also uh, pave the way for other um, more repressive regimes to censor social media that way. And even corporations to insist, you know, that you can't stay in Hotel X until you have removed any criticism of Hotel Y, which happens to be in the same ownership or in the same chain. And, and my worry is that we send the wrong message to other governments and uh, corporations. And then I guess my final thought is, of course, we're at a stage where the debate on cross-border data transfer is very delicately poised indeed. Uh, President Trump did other things last week, which may mean that Privacy Shield, that scheme to transfer data on EU citizens from the EU to the US, may fall. That would obviously have a huge effect on U.S. corporations and their ability to do business across borders. And I think it's so delicately poised that any announcement from President Trump that he's going to do some sort of mass data collection of social media accounts and interrogate them would be badly received in Europe and, and may make the preservation of, of Privacy Shield all the harder. So... That's my EU perspective, fresh from my recent visit. Do people in the U.S. think vastly different, you think, Eric? I think people in the U.S. are concerned uh, generally. Uh, of course, I can't speak for all people, but... Um, oh, oh, you can. <laughs> I can have a, a bird's eye view. I definitely don't speak for all people. Um, we're a very torn country, as it seems. I, I read a... I heard about a poll recently that showed that only 15% roughly of Democrats are approving of uh, President Trump's performance so far on the job. And but I think it's like almost the opposite. Uh, I think about 85% of Republicans think he's doing a good job. I mean, I'm, I'm in the ballpark. I don't have the precise numbers, but you get the point. So we're yeah. a very torn country. We've had very close uh, elections over the last since, uh, gosh, since, uh, uh, since Gore versus uh, Bush too, uh, back in 2000. And so um, to say, how did the American people feel? Well, you know, it's interesting. I mean, you know, Donald Trump has been very obsessed about, you know, whether he had big crowds at his inauguration and he's accused that the media has slanted that. So it looks like he had less people. Um, some reporters and journalists believe that there are far more people marching uh, in the wake of his uh, inauguration uh, against his presidency, then actually showed up for his inauguration. And now he's, you know, you've pointed out some aspects of what's going on, but maybe it's brilliant. I don't know. But 
it, it seems like Trump and the people in his administration are pushing his agenda so fast on so many different fronts, it's almost difficult to know where and how to mobilize and respond if that's what you want to do. Do you, do you bring your energy forth with respect to this ban on people coming in from certain countries and how you're supposed to be vetted, even if you're to be considered coming into the country, as, as you've been pointing out? Uh, do we deal with what's going to happen in terms of the potential unraveling of our healthcare system under the Affordable Care Act, otherwise known as Obamacare? Do we when I say we, I'm, I'm talking about sort of now the loyal opposition, um, and I'm, I'm not, you know what I'm saying. So do we deal with what's going to be happening environmentally in terms of opening up protected lands for drilling, putting in place in the head of the EPA somebody who used to sue uh, the EPA in court to lessen regulations? Um, there's so many different aspects to it. Do, do people uh, mobilize with respect to who's, uh, coming up to be confirmed by the Senate uh, for department heads, or apparently that today is Tuesday, uh, the 31st of January. Uh, we've heard that there's going to be a Supreme Court nominee announced tonight. So by the next yeah. time we do our podcast, Jonathan, perhaps we'll be talking about that. I wouldn't be yeah. surprised. Um, so how do people feel? I think um, we're in great flux here, um, and there are there's a sizable population, I'll just put it that way, that's deeply concerned about the direction where we're going. Um, now, I said a moment ago that maybe this is brilliant by Trump and his administration going full throttle on so many fronts because it's difficult to respond. On the other hand, there's no subtlety to it, right? Um, if someone will even say maybe it's a bit over the top. And to the extent uh, an opposition is going to be mobilized, uh, it's certainly being triggered and ignited and galvanized and perhaps even, uh, how should I say this, some Republicans uh, might start to scratch their heads and say, wait a minute, uh, this isn't what we necessarily signed on for. But we'll see. They might also sort of follow in, you know, some lockstep. Um, I hope I might be responsive. I'm, I'm, I'm leaning a little bit more across the board than what you teed up, and it's the best way I can do it. Do you have any thoughts in terms of what I've said? No, I think that's I think that's interesting, and and from my, you know, I wonder if from my distant perspective it will be viewed differently in different places. You know, California, for example, has been very pro-privacy in the past. Maybe maybe some places in the middle of the U.S. less so. So maybe just as we've had a sort of, you know, Trump versus Hillary divide, then that might play out in in the reaction to. To any move that curbs curbs privacy as well. Um, yeah. I mean, of course, we know that some of this activity has gone on in the past, and and, and rightly, I think, um, you know, different countries around the world have monitored social media use to try and find evidence of ter terrorism. Uh, and, and and I'm not suggesting in any way that that stops, but it seems this yeah. wholesale um, look at at anyone's social media accounts before they enter is, is maybe that much of a step further. Yeah, yeah. Well, I imagine we're probably at our 10. Uh, we're probably yeah. beyond. But listen, Jonathan, we, let's all thank Jonathan for calling in. He was just here uh, in the States, and he just returned to the U.K., um, and he's a bit jet-lagged. So he sounded pretty cogent to me, so well done. <laughs> thank you. Um, 
Mr. Armstrong. So this has been your weekly Tech Law 10. Thanks for joining us. We're going to keep coming at you. Um, these are very interesting times. I've been teaching at the university level on various topics lately in addition to my legal practice, and there's, there's no dearth of room for discussion uh, as we go forward now. So again, I'm Eric Sinrod, EJ Sinrod at DwayneMorris.com. You can find us on all the usual social media outlets. Jonathan, will you close it out? I will do, and, and thank you to the estimated 1.5 million that listen to these podcasts every every time. <laughs> it's um, huge. It's so. huge. It's huge. <laughs> and uh, thanks very much for listening to this one. I'm Jonathan Dodd Armstrong at CaudryCompliance.com. On this and on other issues, we'll take the debate online to LinkedIn, so do feel free to share your thoughts there. All that remains is to thank you for listening, and we look forward to catching up with you again in a week or so. Thanks again. Cheers.